But listen to what he says next. He says, and, and the spirit of glory and of God rest on you. This is speaking of the spirit of God that indwells every believer at conversion. When you would pray to receive Jesus Christ and you trust in Christ as Lord and Savior, he indwells you with the spirit of God, gives you the Holy Spirit, which empowers you to live and to be victorious in the Christian walk, which means you can endure sufferings because you know there is a greater day coming when Christ will return or you will go see him and there will be no more pain, no more suffering, but only rejoicing. We would like to welcome you to Getting in the Word with Pastor Stuart Guthrie. Pastor Stewart is the teaching pastor of Family Bible Fellowship in Early Branch, South Carolina, and he has been teaching through a series on the book of 1 Peter. We hope that you will join us as we begin Getting in the Word. Here is Pastor Stewart. This morning I'll give you one guess on what Peter is going to talk about uh, again, and that would be suffering. Um, he seems to have this topic as a very repetitive um, topic that he keeps bringing up as we work through uh, the book of First Peter. Last week we had Pastor John from Rwanda bring a message on prayer and the importance of prayer. But two weeks ago as we worked through the book of First Peter, we looked at Peter's description of the Christian life as he went from dealing with sufferings to the Christian lifestyle, as specifically towards how we deal with the end times. As we look at the last of the last days, we notice that the end times should bring about Christian urgency. There is an urgency for us as believers um, to live a life that would honor God, to proclaim the gospel to those that have yet come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, and then we also looked at the fact that the end times should bring about Christian living. How we live our lives and how we stand as we meet Christ face to face, because the reality is, is He's coming here or we're going there, it really makes no different. Um, it just depends on which side of the line we are on. And so we looked at just how vital it is for the believer to really live out their lives to bring honor and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ, especially in the last of the last days. But this week, Peter um, kicks us a U-turn right back into the sufferings of Christians. Why is Peter all the time talking about suffering? Well, remember those to whom the the letter is written. If you're joining us for the first time or visiting, these people, we need to be reminded, were a people that were being persecuted for their faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, Their communities were being burned down. The Christians were being dipped in oil, put on the stake, and burned alive, really to light up Nero's guarding. It was a time of great suffering and persecution in the life of these believers. This week, Peter's description of dealing with sufferings is what we're going to look at. Suffering for Jesus. And so the fact is, is we want to know why Peter is again back talking and encouraging his readers about suffering. And I think I can understand why. And the why is this. Life is filled with difficulties. Life is full of suffering. Life is full of turns of events that can really 
shape us or destroy us. Life is full of tragedy. I mean, wouldn't you agree? All we have to do is take a moment and look at the news and we can see the tragedy. We can see the tragedy that takes place right in Buford. We can see the difficulties of, of the Christian community as if, if we get out of our little Christian box in America and we look worldwide at all of the Christians that are suffering for what they believe. Life is full of difficulties. And especially within the household of God. Because as we approach the last of the last days, it's going to become more and more difficult to proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord. To stand on Christian virtues and values. And Peter wants, listen, to make sure that wherever you are this morning, that when you face sufferings, you're able to deal with them. You're able to stand face to face to them. Because it's not a matter of if you will encounter sufferings. It's a matter of when. It's a matter of when. And Peter is going to tell us how you and I, normal mundane people, living in a life, in a world that's very difficult to live in, how it is that you and I can handle sufferings when we encounter them. He gives us really four main ideas when it comes to suffering. And so, if you will, let's again turn our Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 to 19. And if you're new... I have slides. If you don't have your Bible, you can welcome to follow along. And so let's go ahead and, and read 1 Peter four twelve to 19 Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you which comes upon you for your testing as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share in the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing so that also at the revelation of His glory you may rejoice with exultation. You are reviled for the name of Christ. You are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Make sure that none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or evildoer or troublesome meddler. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, he is not to be ashamed, but to glorify God in this name. For it is time for the judgment, of God, uh, the judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is with difficulty that the righteous is saved, what will become of the godless man and the sinner? Therefore, those also who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls to the faithful Creator in doing what is right. With that said, I want us to look at four things this morning that Peter is really trying to communicate to us as believers as we deal with suffering. First, he wants us to understand that we need to consider our suffering. Secondly, we need to celebrate our sufferings. Thirdly, we need to calculate our sufferings. And fourthly, we need to commit our sufferings. So let's begin by looking first at the fact that we need to consider our sufferings. What I mean when I say we need to consider is this, that we need to consider that it's going to happen. Suffering is going to happen. There must be an expectation that we are, as believers, going to suffer. It's just a matter of time. It's kind of like a, a good computer crash. You know, uh, if my computer crashes, it's typically on Sunday morning right before the service. But the reality is, is you start working on some kind of project that has a due date and just behold, you can better bet at some point it's going to crash at the wrong 
time. The worst possible time it could happen. It's not a matter of if it will happen, but rather when. And so if you go into my office, i got a, a, a battery sitting under the desk so that when these lights in this wonderful town of Early Branch seem to flicker on and off like they have a mind of their own, I don't lose everything that's on my computer. The battery kicks in. So there is a preparation, a consideration that something bad could happen where the reality is as Christians we need to consider that sufferings will happen. We must first understand or consider that things are going to happen in our lives. That's the first step we need to take. And if we are living lives as Christians, we will have sufferings due to that lifestyle. You know, it's not an uncommon thing as a Christian to be told, I am stupid, I am an idiot, I'm prideful for believing that Jesus Christ rose from the grave. It's not uncommon to be called a legalist. It's not uncommon to be mocked, to be laughed at, because... I believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation. And if this is not uncommon for me, you can better bet it won't be uncommon for you. The reality is, you will be mocked, you will be persecuted as a Christian. If I didn't expect that, if I went out and began to tell people about Jesus Christ, and I began to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people, and I never expected to get pushed back or to be persecuted or to be mocked or to be laughed at, it could really devastate my emotions, right? But when you go out and you expect that the message you share is not going to be accepted so easily, most of the time you have a different attitude when you go out and you share. You know, the Bible says there's more going down than there's going up. And so you can better bet when we share the hope of Jesus Christ, there's going to be more rejecting it than there is accepting it. And that's okay. It's not our job to save people, to bring people into the household of God, but rather to tell them the hope of Jesus Christ in which He offers. That's our objective. That's our goal. And so we must expect. Peter says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you which comes upon you for your testing as though some strange thing were happening to you. This fiery ordeal that is among you is not to be a surprise, he says. You are to consider that it's going to happen. And you need to expect it. Here we know he's talking to believers because he calls them beloved. And this is what the fathers called the son. And later was he, he transferred this calling to the followers and believers. And these believers he called already in, in chapter 2 verse 11 the beloved. These are Christians that are suffering. We know for sure that there is some kind of persecution going on. In my research I found that in A.D., 64 that the city of Rome had been burned. Fire spread rapidly through the city as Nero sat there in his tower watching the city burn. He had a great desire to see the city of Rome refurbished, renewed, rebuilt, restructured. And so much so that he sent out the Roman guards to make sure that none of the people put out the fires, but rather let it burn. And then Nero turns around and uses them as the escape goat, saying the Christians are the ones who burned down the city. Nero watches from the tower 
as their communities go up in flame. And he blames it on the Christians. It could be very well that he's saying, don't be surprised because of the fiery ordeal that you encounter. Don't be surprised. It wouldn't surprise me one bit if that's what they're talking about. But the reality is, we are called even today not to be surprised when difficult times come our way. Because the reality is, as difficult times do come, people die. People find out they have cancer. People get sick. People get in car accidents every day. And the reality is, as difficulty does come. And you and I can be encouraged that if we will consider that they will happen, we will handle them much differently when they do come. When you're spoken against because of your faith, when you're mocked, when you stand up for Christ, when you are called the holy roller because you won't engage in that which the world calls unholy, do not be surprised. Do not be surprised. We are to consider they will happen. We are to consider that we will suffer. He says in 2 Timothy 3.12, In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ, listen, will be persecuted. There's really no option. Not you, you might have a good chance that you'll encounter it, but rather you will be. You will be persecuted. You want to live a godly life? You will be persecuted. John 15, 20 reminds us, it says, Remember the words that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. The reality is, is we should experience persecution as Christians. They did it to Christ, and if they did it to Christ, they will do it to us. Acts 5, 41 says, so they went on their way from the presence of the council. Listen to what this says. Rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. You see, they had expectations. They had considered that suffering would come about. And when it did, they rejoiced in their suffering. That they had been considered worthy of suffering. Why? Because Christ said, if they persecute me, they will also persecute you. You may be persecuted, but listen, I want you to understand you're not abandoned. And you may be struck down, but you still will not be destroyed. Let us not act like something strange is happening. When it happens, we need to be on alert because it's coming. Persecution is coming. This generation, listen, is opposed to God more than ever before. At least in my 40 years of experiences living on this earth. Because I think that they desire to be God of their own life. And I want you to understand there's only one space on the throne of God. And it is God. They are not silent. And they will stand against you. But understand this. This is important for us to understand. They are not against you but against God. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. Our battle is not with one another. 
There's something greater that's happening behind the scenes that maybe you and I can't see. There is a spiritual battle that is taking place. And typically, when we try to live out our godly lives, which is extremely impossible in our own strength because there's none righteous, no, not one. That includes the preacher, that includes you. We are all sinful and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. So don't think I'm just standing up here saying, be perfect for I'm perfect. No, I'm a sinner saved by grace. And your sin is no different than my sin. The difference is, is I have accepted that I'm a sinner and that I place my faith in Jesus Christ. And when we do that, we will be persecuted. But that's okay. That's okay. They're not against you. They're against God. Their battle is a spiritual battle for the throne. They really have a problem with Jesus and his word. And so I ask you the question this morning, are you prepared? Are you prepared? Have you considered the reality of persecution? You see, a lot of us, we've never been to another country where we go and share our faith, but I know there are many in here that have. And there's always that chance when you get on that bird and you go across that water and you fly into another country where we can really see persecution on a normal basis. I'll never forget there in India, (laughs) standing in Leh in the northern part of India, right on the border of Pakistan, preaching the gospel, overwhelmed with reality that any moment someone could come out and lose their minds. And every time you get up to preach or to speak or you go over to another country or you go out into the highways and byways right here in Yamasee, Beaufort, wherever it may be, the reality is, is we must be aware that persecution is possible. And so I ask you, are you ready? We need to be prepared, not surprised. I didn't say it would be easy. Persecution is never easy. but we need to be prepared. Consider our sufferings. And secondly, the text tells us we need to celebrate our sufferings. I guess the best way for me to understand this is to understand that we are expected to suffer when we are living godly lives. And if that is the case, then we are suffering for our faith. When we suffer for our faith, it shows us that we are trying to live out a godly life. And therefore, we should celebrate when we suffer for Christ. Because when we are suffering for Christ, it shows that we are living for Christ. He says here in verse 13, But to the degree that you share in the sufferings of Christ, You know, as I was sitting here and they were singing worship, I was reading the text again, and that word degree popped out to me. To the degree. Listen, your suffering may look different than mine. But the reality is, as a believer and follower of Jesus Christ, we should suffer for the sake of Christ. To the degree that you share in the suffering of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that at the revelation of His glory, you may rejoice with exultation. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, it says you are blessed, because the Spirit of glory and of God rests on you. He says, to whatever degree you share in the sufferings, keep on rejoicing. 
Your degree and my degree may be different. Our degree in America may be different than those that live in Africa, that those that live in Turkey, those that live abroad. But to whatever degree it is that you suffer for Christ, it should keep you rejoicing. Knowing that at His second coming, you may rejoice. It says with exultation, with great celebration, it, it, to rejoice greatly. You see, your hope here and in suffering is in the second coming of Christ. This is the hope that Peter offers. He doesn't tell you that your days in, on earth here will be well, but rather he tells you to stand with God, sometimes by yourself in the face of persecution. But he doesn't leave you there. He offers you hope. He offers you hope in the fact that Jesus is coming again. And he will receive you to himself that where he is there you may be also. Look at Matthew five twelve. It says, Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is in heaven. In heaven is great. For in the same way that they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I can't offer you much hope in the face of persecution this morning. You see, it's easy to stand up here and talk about persecution until they capture me and hang me and nail me to a cross or they behead me because of my boldness in Christ or they put me in a prison and fail to feed. This happens every day across the world. It's easy to stand up here and talk about those things, but in reality... The hope that we have is that our reward will be great in heaven. If you are suffering, then celebrate in your sufferings. That means it's there building up, waiting on your arrival. It not will be, but is. Don't miss that. If you are suffering, you're blessed. But listen to what he says next. He says, and and the spirit of glory and of God rest on you. This is speaking of the Spirit of God that indwells every believer at conversion when you pray to receive Jesus Christ and you trust in Christ as Lord and Savior. He indwells you with the Spirit of God, gives you the Holy Spirit, which empowers you to live and to be victorious in the Christian walk, which means you can endure sufferings because you know there is a greater day coming when Christ will return or you will go see Him and there will be no more pain, no more suffering, but only rejoicing. Enjoy with the Lord Jesus Christ. I like the word that Peter uses here and he says rest. It rests upon you. And you have the Spirit of God within your life. And He rests there. These are validations within our own lives that we are truly born again believers of the Lord Jesus Christ if you are sharing in the sufferings for your faith there seems to be proof that if you're suffering for the sake of Christ that the Holy Spirit truly rests upon you suffering can be proof that you are spirit filled born-again believer of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you have been crucified with Christ and no longer live, but it is Christ who lives in you. But let me ask you this. What if there is no suffering? 
What if there is no suffering in your life? I mean, is it uncommon for American people not to suffer for the sake of Christ? I'm afraid yes. We're a blessed nation. You know, as, as, as Pastor John, for one, it says America is the greatest country in the world. He's been to a lot of them. But the reality is that sometimes we can get so comfortable that we fail to even suffer for Christ's sake when we've been told to. And if we're here this morning and we've never suffered for Christ, it should make us ask the question, why am I not experiencing suffering? When he says you will suffer for Christ. When is the last time that you've suffered? When is the last time you've been mocked for your faith? When is the last time you've offended someone? Maybe a family member because of what you believe. Lost a friend. Spit on. Laughed at. Cursed at. Something thrown in your face. All of those very things have happened to me in my life. None of these are uncommon for the Christian. Listen, they hung Jesus Christ on the cross. Pierced Him. Killed Him. Because they hated Him. And you know what? They still hate Him today. And you know why they hate him? Because Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me, Jesus says. Jesus is the only way to salvation. He is not a way. He is not the best way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And if they hated them, him, they will hate you. And the fact is, is they wish to be their own God. But again, there's only one room on the throne of God in this God. You celebrate when you're wronged because you're blessed. Not only should we celebrate, thirdly, we should calculate the sufferings. Some time ago, I was working on a sermon and about to finish, and the computer crashed. If I rewind even further back when I had my television show, I remember sitting up in the top of that uh, bedroom editing eight and nine hours and all of a sudden the computer crashing and me forgetting to hit control S and saving and losing six to seven hours worth of video editing. I mean, you, you just want to pull your hair out. I can't believe what just... I lost everything. Holy moly. I can't. I don't even know what I did, and now I got to go back and finish it again. Preparing sermon. I don't remember what I said. Now I got to go back and retype everything I've already thought about. Man, it's difficult. Calculating. And so I had to sit back and calculate why did it happen? Did I did, did I, I did some searching to see if, if I created the problem or if the computer was the problem? But the fact is, is I had to do some evaluation because I, I couldn't afford for that to happen again. The same goes for us. In the Christian walk, we need to calculate our sufferings because this is extremely important. If, if anything you get today, this is important. We need to calculate our sufferings. Listen to what Peter says next in verse 15. He says, Make sure that none of you suffers as a murderer or a thief or evildoer or troublesome meddler. He's saying, Calculate your sufferings. 
He's saying, don't confuse righteous suffering with unholy suffering. Not, listen, not all suffering brings honor to God. It, it, don't you agree? Not all suffering brings relief from the Holy Spirit that we are indwelt in. Some suffering has no room for complaining. And that's why he says, make sure you are suffering for the right reason. What is good? What is honoring to God? Not rather that which brings dishonor to God. This suffering should bring about conviction and shame. Listen, there's a shift here. Listen to the contrast. This three-letter word, but. If anyone suffers as a Christian, he is not to be ashamed, but is to glorify God. When you suffer, rather for what is good and honoring to God, it said you are glorifying God's name. Why is that important? Well, he says in verse 17, For the time for judgment to begin with the household of God, and if it begins with us first, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is with difficulty that the righteous is saved, what becomes of the godless man and the sinner? Oh, pity, oh, pain, the cry of our heart as believers, should be those that have yet to believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because the reality is that judgment is coming. It's coming. 2 Thessalonians says, The Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with the mighty angels in a flaming fire, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God, to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. This is a reality for every single one in this room and in the overflow that have professed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. This should be what makes you tick. And if this is what makes you tick, understanding that the building is on fire and there are people whom we love and we care for and we delight in that are being burned up day after day. If this is what makes us tick, then we will not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But rather we will go and proclaim Jesus Christ and Him crucified that He is the only way to salvation. And when we do, we will be persecuted. If judgment begins first with the household of God, the outcome of those that don't believe will be absolutely terrifying. There's not a day that goes by that I don't pray for my children to come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Not a day. And there's not a day that goes by that I don't think about the reality that these children have to make a decision for Christ on their own. And they will stand before God. And they will give an account. And our heart should beat to proclaim Jesus Christ. We need to calculate the things in our lives that are happening 
all the so-called suffering that we endure in our lives, and we need to make sure that it's a righteous suffering for Christ's sake and not suffering based off of our own ways and our own mistakes. You see, this is the easy thing for us to do as human beings is to justify just about anything. If I get in a situation and I live a a life that's dishonoring to God, I will probably suffer in some way. And it will be really easy for me to twist that lifestyle into something that's dishonoring to God and claim it to be honoring to God and to justify my suffering because I'm a believer and follower of Jesus Christ. And so we have to calculate to make sure that you and I are suffering for what is right. Really what Peter is doing here is placing a disclaimer on his message. Why do you think he's doing that? Because we can justify and rationalize anything. I don't know about I can. I mean, like, if we're going to be, like, real honest people, can't we just about justify anything? Because that's the reality. But Peter here is making it clear if one is suffering as a murderer or a thief, or an evildoer, or a troublesome meddler, they are not suffering for Christ, for righteousness. Rather, they're suffering for breaking the law of God. Unless we calculate why it is that we are suffering, we too will justify it and over-spiritualize it to make it a godly thing when it's really an ungodly thing. Listen, if we put ourselves into that situation that God tells us not to and we begin to suffer, it's not for the sake of Christ. It's because we've dishonored God. And this is why Peter gives a disclaimer because we try to justify sin. Well, I can watch that on TV. It's got a few curse words in it, right? Oh, I can, I can listen to that music because, well, it's just got a few bad words in it. Listen, I, I struggle with these very same things. I mean, praise the Lord for VidAngel, right? We can watch movies and cut out all the bad and enjoy the, 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 the rest of it. I mean, it might cut out half the movie. But the reality is, is we can just about justify anything. I can do this or I can do that. God will forgive me. So we need to evaluate why it is that we suffer. To make sure that we're truly suffering for the sake of Christ. And if we find, listen, this is, this is where the rubber hits the road. If we find that we are suffering for something ungodly, this is when we must place down our pride and be humble and come before God and repent today. And believe the gospel. And accept the forgiveness of God. Interestingly, right here in the middle of this verse, he breaks off and comes back to the Christian suffering again. And he says in verse 15, but if anyone suffers as a Christian, he's not to be ashamed, but rather is to glorify God in his name. Listen, if you are truly suffering in your relationship with God for the sake of Christ, there is nothing to be ashamed of. Especially you young people, you kiddos. Because I can promise you, kids, you will be mocked 
for believing in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The ministry we do in these schools, and we tell these kids about Noah and Adam and Eve, they have no clue who they are. They don't know the Bible stories. They have no idea about Jesus Christ and the things of Scripture. And when you go to tell them that Jesus Christ created mankind, that's not what they're learning in school. So we have to make sure that our hearts are prepared to endure the suffering. And if we do, don't be ashamed, guys. It's okay. He says he's not to be ashamed, but he's to glorify God in his name. He says here, if you suffer as a Christian, which means a true follower of Christ, I think the word Christian is only used like three times in the New Testament. And he's saying, listen, don't be ashamed when they call you a holy roller, Bible thumper, Jesus freak, whatever it is they may call you. Don't be upset when they mock you, when they fire you, when they pick at you, when they hurl hate against you. Rejoice. It's for the sake of Christ. It's for the glory of his name. Peter may be thinking of his own life. You see, we know experience comes from learning from mistakes, sometimes our mistakes, or sometimes I can learn from your mistakes, or you can learn from mine. I know I want my children not to do the same stupid things that I've done, right? I want them to learn from my mistakes so that they don't have to endure those things. Because there's none in here that's never made a mistake, I can promise you. And if you've never made a mistake, just give it a little while, you'll make a big one, I'm sure, at some point in your life. And so learning from our mistakes, I believe that's what Peter's doing. Peter's learned from his mistakes. Remember he denied Jesus Christ three times? Peter denied Jesus three times? And here he's saying, suffer for the sake of Christ? Isn't this the same man who said, don't you know Christ? Oh, I don't know Jesus. I don't want no suffering. I mean, I just watched what they did to Jesus. I don't want no part of that. And yet here, he's telling us, suffer for the sake of Christ. You see, he's learned from his mistakes. He's learned. He's repented. He's gained experience from the foolish things he's done. And now he's a faithful follower of Christ, unashamed. When you suffer, it does not bring dishonor. Rather, you glorify God as a Christian, and your suffering affects everyone around you more than you could ever know. And that's why Christianity grows in places where persecution's taking place. Why is that? Anybody can believe in a Jesus that gives them prosperity and good health. Anybody. But what about a Jesus that doesn't guarantee he's going to remove cancer from your body. What about a Jesus that says you will be persecuted as I was persecuted? This is what we encounter here. Honor him as a Christian in every area of our lives wherever the Lord would have you to be. Because he says in 17, for the time for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins with us first, what would the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? And if it is with difficulty that the righteous is saved, 
what will become of the godless man and the sinner? Christianity is difficult. The Christian life is difficult. There's joy in the midst of the difficulty. There's trust and there's hope and there's faith and we look forward to a day when all of these things will be gone and Christ will have victory over this world. But judgment's coming and it begins with his own people. The household of God. 1 Corinthians 11.32 says, But when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord so that we will not be condemned along with the world. Listen, as a Christian, we encounter discipline from the Father. This is difficult sometimes. But God loves you. And he's, if He loves you and you are a child, is he, he will not leave you to your own vices. Rather, He will discipline you and bring you back into fellowship with Him. God starts His judgment right here with us. And we see it through sufferings and we see it through persecution. And if our judgment and sufferings are a result, what will become of those who do not obey the gospel, he says? There are not words to explain what will happen on that day. But just like in the day of Noah, they mocked him. Oh, your God isn't coming. It's not going to rain. You're a fool for building that boat. The same goes today. They will mock you and they will call you a fool for looking for the return of Christ and even to believe in such a thing. But it's time for the judgment again. And if it is through much suffering and pain that God has ordained discipline that one may come to salvation, what will it be for those that reject the gospel? I can promise you that day will be absolutely horrifying and there will be none that will want to be there on that day. People will desire to crawl in a hole when Christ returns if they are not in the household of God. We need to calculate our sufferings and finally, lastly, we need to commit our sufferings. We must commit ourselves to God in suffering. We must entrust our sufferings to the Lord because we suffer based off the will of God. He says, therefore, those also who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls to faithful creator in doing what is right. You and I suffer according to the will of God. And this is why I think it's important that we understand faith. God has allotted to each a measure of faith and God has allotted to each a level of persecution. God has allotted to each His will on their life of suffering. What is it that God is entrusting to us through suffering? And I believe it's to stand firm, to make an impact for the kingdom of God. And you and I have been entrusted to do what is right and to stand firm and not to fold under the pressure of persecution. Psalm 55, 2 says, Cast your burdens upon the Lord, and He will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. We've been encouraged to take our burdens to the Lord. Peter tells us in, in 1 Peter 5, 7, Cast your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. This morning, 
We are to commit, we are to entrust our trials, our pain, our sufferings unto the Lord. Suffering with Christ again isn't easy, but suffering with, without Christ is detrimental. It's important we remember to consider our sufferings, to celebrate our sufferings, to calculate our sufferings and to commit them unto Jesus Christ because Jesus was the greatest example of the sufferer. God left the domains of heaven and came to earth. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And He came as a suffering servant, but He will come back as a conquering king. He suffered so that we might have life and have life abundantly. And today can be the day in which we trust in Jesus Christ for our salvation so that we can endure sufferings with victory. We would like to thank you for joining us on our program today. We pray that you were challenged, encouraged, and hope that you will stay connected with us for the weeks to come as Pastor Stewart walks us through the book of 1 Peter. If you don't have a church home, Pastor Stewart would like to personally invite you to join their worship service at Family Bible Fellowship in Ridgeville, South Carolina. They meet each week at 11 a.m. For more information about the church, visit them at familybiblefellowship.org. And to find out more information about the ministry of Pastor Stuart Guthrie, check him out on the web at gettingintheword.com. Thanks again for being with us, and have a great week.